0: Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you guys could join us this morning. The good news today is if you came from Newton, you can just set the sail and sail home, save yourself some gas money. Holy cow, the wind is unbelievable. I don't know about all that. Hey, uh, just want to catch us all up, get us on the same page. We started a new series last week called God Never Said That. We actually are teaming up with another ARC church, Association of Related Churches. We're doing this uh, series together, so it's pretty exciting time. And uh, really the premise behind this series is that for the most part, I think well-meaning people like to say things, but those things are ascribed to God, yet God never said that. And it's dangerous for us to start believing what man says. And for example, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's great, right? I mean, I want you to be hygienic, okay? So please shower and brush your teeth. But God never said that. God never said that. You maybe heard God helps those who help themselves. Well, praise God, the holy Trinitarian God of the universe. Helps those who absolutely can 't help themselves, this guy included amen, yes, now, I wanted to spend a few weeks exploring some of these things that God never said, because, like I mentioned, it can be dangerous, dangerous for us to believe things that man said because God never said some of these things, and the entire sermon the the verse really that that uh, spoke to me here is john eight thirty one it 's there in your notes. Uh, We can put it here on screen. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the end, that's my goal for this series, is that you will know the truth, and you will be set free, and you won't be hindered by anything uh, that that the world maybe is throwing at you, and that maybe you've uh, heard or believed. And last week we looked at the idea that God just wants you to be happy. Well, that's great in theory, but God never said that. In fact, God's much more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. If God's ultimate goal was your happiness, then who's serving who? Something to think about. If God was only supposed to give you things that made you happy, he'd be serving you. And that's not the way this thing works. Next week, we're going to tackle the idea, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you don't hurt anybody, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. Well, God never said that. So I hope you can be back this morning for that. But this morning, I want us to dive into the saying that God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you ever heard that before? God won't give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've even said it before. Well, maybe uh, you might be interested to know that God never actually said that. In fairness, I know where people kind of get the idea from. It's It's sort of but not really at all in the Bible. Uh, that's confusing, I get it, but let's look at it together. I hope you brought a Bible. If you did, go ahead and grab it. Open it up towards the back. There's going to be a letter and there. There's actually a whole collection of letters there towards the back. You want to find 1 Corinthians. It's going to be after Acts and Romans. 1 Corinthians, the big number 10 is what you want. A guy named Paul wrote this uh particular letter to a church in Corinth. Man, I hope God gives me the time sometime to talk to you about the church at Corinth. These people were jacked up, okay? I mean, it's, it's Christians gone wild or something, but 1 Corinthians ten thirteen uh, reads, and God is faithful. He will not let you be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. You can see what I mean. That's sort of in the Bible, but not really at all. Because what God said, he said, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. He didn't say anything about you actually not getting more than you can handle. All throughout Scripture, you find people who absolutely get more than they can handle over and over. There's a a portion of your Old Testament, a book called Judges. There's a guy named Gideon who's literally the weakest, I mean physically weakest person in his family. Okay, He's like wrestling his little sisters and losing. Okay, This this is Gideon. God shows up, calls him a mighty man of value. If you're a strong girl, I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. But... God shows up to Gideon and says, mighty man of valor, you're going to be the commander of my army. And then God proceeds to cut down the army from 32,000 people to 300. And this is where Gideon finds himself. A little bit overwhelming to say, the least. If you know about Moses, you know Moses kind of had a speech impediment, did not want to be a speaker for God, finds himself very overwhelmed in the presence of Pharaoh. In fact, begs God, please no, send my brother Aaron, let him be the speaker. They actually team up, but Moses was very much overwhelmed. If you know the story of Job, you can think about Job. Job literally lost everything he had. I want you to think about that. His, His kids, gone. All his possessions Gone. His physical health. Overwhelming. God won't give you more than you can handle, yet we see that with Job. How about King David? Okay, King David's kind of the quintessential good guy in the Bible, but check out what he says in Psalm 38. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Seems like God. Gave him a little bit more than he could handle. But then, man, you want to talk about more than you can handle. How about Jesus? Jesus is approaching his death on the cross. He knows what's about to happen. He understands that he's about to be separated for the first time and only time from God the Father. He's about to take the sin of the world onto his shoulders so that you and I can be forgiven. All sin, past, present, and future, Jesus is waiting for this to happen. And watch what he says in Mark 14 33. Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's where Jesus finds himself. Now, I I take a little bit of encouragement in that, because if Jesus can have more than he can handle, then who am I to say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle? Of course he will. It's all throughout scripture. Some of you came in here this morning with more than you can handle. You know, you might be going through something, something big, financial burden. You know, maybe you're going through a rough spot in the marriage, just praying for God to show up and do something. You maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. That happens pretty frequently. Maybe it was a loved one that got the bad report. You feel hurt by that. Maybe your job's completely unstable. Don't even know if you're going to have a place to work tomorrow. You might be battling depression or any number of things. It just feels like the weight is so heavy. It's crushing you. It's burning. It's heavy. It never fails. Because when you find yourself at this lowest spot, some annoying Christian says something ridiculous like, well, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window. You're like, well, why don't you go jump out that window? Right? <laughs> I mean, how about you? Have, I mean, you ever wanted to throat punch somebody before, you know? <laughs> Am I the only one on that? Okay. Well, sometimes you have to embrace the fact that God will occasionally give you more than you can handle. We see it over and over throughout the Bible. So the rest of our time this morning, what I want to do is talk about two reasons why God will give you more than you can handle. Okay? I want to end today then by giving you something you can do this week. If that was you this morning that came in burdened, overwhelmed, needing some help from God, you need him to show up. I want to give you something you can do starting today that can potentially help you. So what you might want to jot this down. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? So you depend on his presence. You got to learn how to depend on God's presence. When things are good, people tend to forget about God. You know, be honest with yourself. It's when things are good that you tend to, you know, maybe skip a day here in scripture or maybe forget to pray here and there because things are good. Why? I mean, what, you know, we don't need to do all that stuff. I don't need God right now. I got this. But the moment something bad happens, how quick are we to run to God. Say, God, why did you allow this to happen? God's like, well, why, where were you three weeks ago? But this is as much true for me as a pastor as it is for anyone else. When things are good, it's hard for me to continually pursue and seek God. It's when things are bad that I need him to show up and I start uh, approaching him. Just to give you an example a couple months ago, Laura coaches junior high girls basketball during the winter. So oftentimes, I'm uh, at home with the kids. Praise God for mothers and that stay home for their children. But you know, Laura's done this to me a couple times, and it's miserable. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, I'm at home with with these rascals and uh, making supper. So just at the mo- you know macaroni and cheese, because that's what that's what guys do. Uh, just as I'm about to pour in the macaroni, Lana was upstairs and I hear this loud thud and crash and I yell her name. She doesn't really say anything. She kind of moans and, you know, kind of starts to cry. And so I go running upstairs and I see on the floor Lana with blood coming out of her head, blood on the floor and the TV on top of her. So I immediately yank the TV off and, and try and figure out, assess the situation, go grab a towel, yell at my son, boy, get your shoes, we're about to go to the ER, and uh, the I'll, I'll tell you the humorous part after that, but I'm nervous, I'm scared, I don't know what's going to happen, I shut the stove off, I grab my wallet in case I get pulled over, I start driving as fast as I can to the ER, Lana uh, is in the back, and Layton looks at her and says, you're probably going to die, and Lana's like... <laughs> I'm like, son, you're not helping. Lana's like, am I gonna die? I'm like, no, you're fine. Uh, the the crazy part is because you know, as a dad, I'm at home by myself with the kids. They had, uh, Lana had taken her clothes off and she had drawn all over her body with pen. And so I just grabbed her, you know, in pants, no shirt, pen all over. The people at the hospital were probably like, what is this guy doing? But. How many of you know that in that moment, I'm seeking God? I'm praying. Yet, all those times during the day, I'm never really thankful as a parent that I've got happy, healthy, energetic children. It's hard to remember those things, you know, and it's hard to see those things when you're in the moment of everyday life. But the moment something impactful and seemingly bad happens, we're seeking God. And the same thing is true in any area of life. When you decide to call out to God when things are bad, you need to learn to depend on God in every situation. Here's what the psalmist writes in 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to 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 all who call on him in truth, which goes back to our John 8 31. I want you to know the truth because the truth will set you free and God will show up on your behalf when you call on him. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that the Lord has your best interests in mind? That he's going to work all things together for good as the Bible tells us? You know, sometimes that's what we have to do. Like Shelby talked about during that song, you just need to say, God, I need you. Please show up on my behalf and we plead to him. Why does God give you more than you can handle? So that you'll learn to depend on him, to prove to you that he is enough. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Sometimes in the midst of those things, those trials and tribulations, that's when God's going to show up. And you can look back on your life and say, here's when God showed up for me. Are you willing to allow God to be enough for you to depend on him. One more story, and I'll move on. We uh, are renting a, a little house right now, and our landlord has a German shepherd. My kids, for whatever reason, are just terrified of this dog. And in fairness, they shouldn't be. He's never done anything uh, to scare them, like try and bite them or anything like that. He's always just trying to play with them. He barks a little bit and whatever. But uh, he, I guess he looks scary to the kids and whatever. So one night we came home late and I got the kids out of the car and the uh, German shepherd came running and kind of barking at us. I said his name and he stopped and it was fine. But in that moment, I've got Leighton screaming like a girl, latched onto this arm, Lana's on this leg. I'm trying to carry his stuff, drag them all Into the house, I get to the front porch and I hear Lana say this God is in heaven, my dad's right here, I'm fine. And I thought, what? You know what I mean? Like, this, that's I'm proud dad, right? In that moment, you know, I don't, I don't, I, you know, gave her some extra snack that night. But (laughs) the reason I share that story with you is what if that was our attitude in life? God is in heaven. His holy Spirit is right here. I'm fine. We've got to learn to depend on God, no matter what we're going through. And sometimes God will give you more than you can handle, so that you'll learn. God's enough. You can depend on Him and His presence. Second reason is this: why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? One is to teach you to depend on His presence. Two is to teach you to experience His power. God wants to show off his power to you and he wants you to experience his supernatural power but too many of us are doing life on our own. Too many of us feel like we're in control. I just read a news story this week about or a couple of weeks ago about the uh the trainer Bob or whatever for uh the weight loss guy. Seemingly uh the healthiest person on the planet, right? He has a heart attack. Like we're in Control. We're not in control of anything. we got to learn to experience God's power. You should still be in 1 Corinthians. Flip a couple pages to your right. I want to show you something in 2 Corinthians. Paul had to write two letters to the church at Corinth. These people were jacked up, I'm telling you. Took multiple letters. 2 Corinthians 12.7 says this. You there? Here we go. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. And when Paul's talking about three times, he's talking about three seasons of pleading. It wasn't like once at breakfast, once at lunch, once at supper. Three times. This is probably years of fasting and praying to God for him to take the storm away. But look at what it says in verse 9. But God said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast." This is Paul speaking again. All the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. Paul, you're talking crazy right now, bro. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Now, see this. This man pleading with God to heal him. Take this thorn away. And, and I'm thinking that if anybody, if God's going to heal anybody, Paul's a pretty good candidate. For just based on human reasoning, you, you think that, you know, some people deserve healing more than others. Paul is probably on that list based on everything that he did, writing over 50% of your New Testament, planting hundreds if not thousands of churches. I'm thinking Paul should get healed. If anybody had the faith that it took for healing, Paul's probably got it. And God says, no, 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 So listen to me. This is very important for you in your life today, right now. There will come a time, I promise you, that if you serve God long enough, and you live in this sin-filled world long enough, you're going to have your own thorn and you're going to plead with God and ask Him to remove it. You're saying, God, why don't you remove this? God, can't you answer my prayer? God, I believe you can heal me. God, I believe you can make the depression go away. God, I trust that you can heal my child. I hate seeing someone suffer so much. God, please do something. Can't you just turn my teen back towards you? You're going to plead, and you're going to beg, and you're going say, God, just one month financially, please, can we make it? And God's not going to move on your behalf. And you know that He could, and He doesn't, and you, say, you start thinking, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you give me more than I can handle? And you just do this. It's where Paul was. It's where he found himself, yet God actually spoke to Paul and he says something so powerful ministers to me I hope it does to you Paul's like why don't you do this God says to him my grace is sufficient for you His, my what what did he say somebody help me out grace. my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness he says that's all you need it's my grace my power I'll give it to you Paul starts in with that crazy talk that I said. He says things like, "Okay, if that's the case, I'm going to start boasting all the more about my weaknesses." Hey, I'm weak over here. You guys see me? God's moving for me because I'm weak. That's like insane for me to think about. He starts saying stuff like, "I'm going to I'm going to boast in my hardship," not like American hardship, okay. Coke or Pepsi, all right? McDonald's or Wendy's, what should we do? Chick-fil-A, please God, yes. Not on Sunday, Um, unbelievable. But he's saying about hardships, being whipped, being beaten with rods, being shipwrecked, swimming to an island only to getting bit by a snake that's poisonous. These are the hardships Paul is talking about. And after all of that, he says, no, i delight." in these hardships. I delight in these persecutions. I, I'm glad that I'm weak. I'm glad I'm having difficulties. Why? Because that's when God shows up. That's when you get to experience God's supernatural power. I want everybody to say this with me. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. strong. You can experience God's supernatural power. You just have to decide in your mind that I'm going to resign from being boss. I'm not in control. I'm going to allow God to be in control. Y'all seen those bumper stickers. Jesus is my co-pilot. No, 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 no. Jesus is my pilot. I want that dude driving. Okay. Carrie Underwood, help me out. Jesus, take the wheel country joke. I mean, don't just somebody edit that out of the video, please. I don't know how you came in today. I don't know what it is you're going through. I don't know if if you feel like life is giving you more than you can handle. I don't know if there's something that you wish God would move on your behalf in. And you're asking him to to do something and you don't understand why he's not doing it i don't know each one of your situation but here's what i do know sometimes it's in the valley not on the mountaintop that you get to experience god because god says it's in your weakness that he shows off he's strong he's perfect in your weakness why would god allow you to have more than you can handle maybe because it He wants to draw you close to Himself. He wants to teach you how to depend on Him. He wants to show you His power. Again, Until you realize that God is all you have, you'll never realize He's all you need. Sometimes God's got to get you to a dark spot to shine the light on that fact. I promised you I'd, I'd give you something that you could do this week. That will help you. And here it is. I want you to jot this down. Document your journey. Document your journey. You want to have some relief from this. Man, with the technology available today, you can do stuff like blog and create your own website. You can film yourself on YouTube. Some of you have incredible stories that people need to hear. God says, first, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the way that you can do that is to share your testimony. Show people how God moved on your behalf. Give them hope. Give them some encouragement. Don't waste an opportunity to remember what God has done for you. Journal those things. I told you guys about this in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. What I've done is I bought a three-year journal. So on each page, I've got, you know, January 1, three years of it. So every time I get to go back and I can see what I was praying for that year. And then the next year I can say, man, I'm not even in that season anymore. How great is God that he, he moved on my behalf? The other thing I'm doing right now is in my... In my personal Bible, I'm writing notes off into the side. Things I want my kids to see that I wrestled with, I struggled with. Like, man, praise God for this, and, and, and here's how he's moving here, and here's where I'm not trusting God. That's what I'm doing in my Bible so that when I'm dead and gone, I'll be able to give that to my kids, and they can see what Daddy struggled with or appreciated or loved. That's what I encourage you each to do right now. Today, start documenting your journey. What life is all about is sharing with one another, sharing in this love of God, this relationship, and sharing in life with one another. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? So you learn to depend on his presence. So you get to experience a supernatural power. Don't waste an opportunity to document your journey and tell people that this is what happens. God moves on people's behalf. What our psalmists say, he shows up when you cry out. Amen, somebody. Let's pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to know who I'm praying for right now. If you're going through something today, you need some prayer, you need God to show up, just raise your hand up right now. Yes, amen, amen. God, I don't know what these people are going through, but I know you're enough. God, there's a lot of things happening in life. I just want to pray a special blessing over each person today. You saw their hands, God, just like I did. Speak to them right now, encourage them. Let them know that you are working all things together for good right now, even As we speak God I'm praying for marriages I'm praying for addictions I'm praying for financial constraints I'm I'm praying for kids I'm praying for loved ones that are lost People are praying for salvations As we continue to pray If that's you this morning If you feel like God's speaking to you Trying to tell you that Hey I'm enough I want your life I want you to serve me that's you, if you've never made that commitment to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Just in your heart, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me, that he's alive right now. And because of that, I'm new. Help me serve you. And God, I thank you for that life. I thank you for the lives that you've saved, the newness. God, we praise you for that, that you've forgiven us of our past, that you're moving right now in our present. And you've got a hope for our future. God, I speak, ask that you just speak into each person a divine blessing. Help them connect to this powerful purpose that you have for their life. As they serve you, bring them joy in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.